want to honor all of our mothers. If you are a mommy, if you are a mother, can you just please raise your hand so we can honor you and recognize you? Raise your hands. You're awesome. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, mothers, you, you are... All right, there's no mothers on this side. So I'm going to totally... Guys, I'm going to direct all my attention over here. Mothers, you're awesome. You are amazing. The role that you play in our lives, in your children's lives, it can never be measured. It can never be measured. The love and the nurturing and the wisdom and the prayers and the strength that you provide is incredible. Not just tomorrow or tonight in our case. Um, You should be honored every day. God uses you in ways that he can't ever use us, men. You're you're irreplaceable in the lives of your children. I don't care if they're babies or if they're adults. So, mothers, we just want to honor you. Um, We want to thank you for all the thankless things that you do. All the things that you do that go unnoticed or unappreciated or unrewarded. Um, Thank you. We love you. We honor you. um, And we truly, truly thank God for you. Amen. Men, let's clap. That's a good time to clap. Praise the Lord. All right. We, uh, we are doing a series called Heritage. Oh, by the way, mothers, um, see these pretty flowers over here? Uh, at the end of the service, let's, let's figure out how many mommies we have. And let's remember that we have mommies in the nursery and teaching also. And let's divide that number by the number of flowers. And this, we have flowers for you to take home. Just uh, these beautiful little things, just a token of our appreciation for you. So uh, we will have those flowers. We'll set them on the stool and have them right up front so you can come up and get flowers before you leave these beautiful lilies. So there we go. Um, the series that we've been preaching is called Heritage. And uh, the, the Heritage series is all about talking about and discussing, going over who we are as a church. Who are the things that God has called us to be? And so we've preached on some very practical stuff. But everything that, that we have preached on falls under the categories of, number one, profound love for God. Number two, the second category, was genuine love for His church. And number three, demonstrative love for his lost. So that's the section we're on right now, demonstrative love for his lost. So we preached last week on evangelism. We're preaching this week on evangelism. And we're preaching next week on evangelism. And I think we should be able to wrap it up by then. Um, But it's good stuff. It's exciting. And this time is a time of equipping. So we just have a quick video that that we want to show you that kind of stresses the importance of this, this time in this series. All right. <laughs> I think it's hilarious. Um, I think everybody kind of gets... You want your preacher beeper? You want your preacher beeper? <laughs> All right. Hawk will get you that preacher beeper. All right. Not so subtle way of expressing, guys, the things that we've been going over. The... Things we've been preaching on is equipping. We're equipping you, the saints. Everyone say, I'm a saint. Even if you're a Bronco fan, you can still be a saint. Okay? 
equipping you for the work of the ministry. When we're preaching on evangelism, it's because the ministers, the pastors, aren't the only ones that are supposed to be showing the love of Christ. We're going to go over styles of evangelism. And guys, evangelism has been made out to be this scary thing that only those that are kind of kooky can do. Only those that are kind of bold and crazy and woo can do. And that's not true. We all are called to evangelism. Jesus gave a call for all of us to go into the world and to share the gospel, to preach the good news of Jesus Christ to everyone. And he did that without boundary. Male, female, you're called. Outgoing, quiet, you're called. It doesn't matter. We are all called to go out there and take the good news of Jesus Christ. So that is what we're doing. And so we're here to equip. In those situations we saw in that video, guys, I want you to know, Kara and I, our phones are are always turned on. We are constantly available, 24-7, no joke. And if there's a ministry opportunity, whether they go to this church or not, hey, we're quick to say, okay, let's go show the love of Christ to somebody. And and so that, that will never cease. But the opportunities to minister, like we see in this situation, they're constant. I, the, the one that broke my heart, you know, the little boy sitting there and, and the dad too busy with his son, you know, calling the pastor. Hey, this kid needs someone to show him the love of God. You, can you do that, pastor? You know, we're all called to show the love of God. That's what evangelism is. And the good news is when we do it, when we share the good news of Jesus Christ, inspired by the love of God, we do so empowered by the Holy Spirit. So it's not just our works that's doing it, guys. Let's just make that totally clear. It is not our works that are accomplishing this great thing of bringing about salvations and changing people's lives. It's the power of the Holy Spirit moving through our faithful action. Amen? Amen. Matthew 16, 13 through 16. I'm going to read in the NIV. It says this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Well, what about you, he asked? Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. Church, when we're talking about evangelism, the question is, who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Yeah, who does the world say Jesus is? But but who do you say I am? Is what Jesus is asking us. When we talk about Jesus, the most important thing to share is Jesus. It's Jesus. We can talk about God all we want, and people are cool with that. I don't care what their beliefs are. They're cool with that, talking about God. But the minute we start talking about Jesus, watch them squirm. Watch them fidget, watch them shift. Because see, you know, we're okay because, you know, there's a scene in Anchorman where, where Steve Carell's like, I love lamp. 
You're like, do you really love, do you really love lamp? Or are you just saying that because lamp's there? And you're like, I love lamp. People could, you know, I love God. Well, what's God? This is God. This tree is God. Or, you know, this, this book is God. Or she is God. Or, but when we talk about Jesus, that's where the rubber meets the road. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. John 14, 6 says this, and this is Jesus speaking. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man goes to the Father, gets to the Father, except through me. That's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is our only way to the Father. There's a passage in John 12 when Jesus says, when I am lifted up from the earth, when if I be lifted up, all men will be drawn unto me. If I will be exalted, all men will be drawn unto me. So church, when we talk about evangelism, this is the simplicity of what we're doing. We are lifting Jesus up so that men can be drawn unto him. We are lifting Jesus up. We're talking about Jesus. And we're not just talking about Jesus. I'm not talking about the Jesus that Kara talks about. I'm talking about the Jesus that has impacted my life. It's the same Jesus. But see, I'm not just sharing third-hand knowledge, okay? Second-hand knowledge. I'm not just passing along a story I heard. Oh my gosh, let me tell this story, this cool story. I don't care how cool the story is. The most impacting story we can tell is the one that we have experienced. The one we go, you know what? I don't know a lot. I really don't. But I know that Jesus loves me. And I know the way that he's changed my life. Can I tell you about him? Hey, I, I might not be able to quote a bunch of scripture. But I can quote a couple. And they're all about Jesus. Hello. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about um, being you. How great is that? You get to be yourself. When you evangelize and you tell people about the Lord, um, you get to be yourself. When I first met Mark, I was always very conversational about my love for the Lord. And I met Mark, and he was like Mr. Evangelist. And I'd feel bad because we'd be on date night or we'd be out and about, and he'd be like leading people to Jesus. And I'm like, that never happens to me, ever. <laughs> and I started to think that's how I was supposed to be because he was having all sorts of fruit as far as salvations, and he was just bold. And then the Lord started to just speak to me about, no, it's about who you are. And that is how you're supposed to go out and witness and share the love of Jesus is through who you are. So we're going to talk about being authentic. Uh, Mark and I are reading a book right now called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And there's a quote in there that we love. It says, people are drawn to Christ through meeting Christians who love God with all their hearts, souls, minds, and strength, but who do so without abandoning their basic makeup or personality. So if he has made you to be quiet and you're kind of mild-mannered, you're not supposed to be like crazy. You're supposed to find in that mild-manneredness a way of sharing the love of God through that. If you're bold and courageous, well then you're bold and courageous, right? It seems simple and we're like, yeah, Kara, that's, that's really profound what you're saying. But it's true. Don't we try to do it the way everyone else does it because maybe they're having success or you think, well, I'm not, Mark, and I don't have a gift to pastor, so, you know, I'm just, I'm going to do other stuff. Can you read that again? 
Yes, read it again. Okay. It says, People are drawn to Christ through meeting Christians who love God with all their hearts, souls, minds, and strength, but who do so without abandoning their basic makeup or personality. So I think Christians in the church world, we have said, well, if you have the anointing for that, or she's really gifted in that. And don't you think we kind of label certain people as the ones who shine when it comes to evangelism and they shine when it comes to this. That is not how it is supposed to be. Every single one of us, we raise our kids to evangelize ever since they've been little. We ask them, how was school today? And JJ's like, oh, Cody was so sad today, blah, blah, blah. Well, did you pray for him? Did you tell him about Jesus? No. All right, well, tomorrow you've got to go back and tell him that Jesus loves him and you're sorry that he's hurting. We all should be evangelizing. Right. We, we don't have to wait till when we get the Holy Spirit inside of us. You don't get a miniature version when you're little and when you are half mature, you get a half-size Holy Spirit. You have the same Holy Spirit in each one of us. Yeah. And so we're supposed to all, in our personality, in our makeup, in our DNA of how God created us, go out and tell people about Jesus. Isn't that refreshing? We just get to be our crazy selves or our quiet selves or whatever we look like. We get to do it in that way. Um, I love this, the scripture, Psalm 139, 14, says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. When God made each one of us, he put different personality traits in us, right? We didn't get to pick that. You can tell from kids when they're really little, wow, she's crazy, or she's real quiet, or she's shy. or It, it is part of who you are. And some of those things you have to overcome. And some of those things, when we have really big strengths, sometimes those can be our weaknesses, right? And we have to pull them back so you don't just run over people if you're really bold. And those kinds of things, or if you're really shy, you try to make it so that you can be a little bit more personal with people. But those are our personalities and how God created us. So just real quick, I want to talk about a story in John 11. If you want to turn there, if you have your Bibles, or we'll put them up here. Um, Jesus found out that his friend Lazarus, Lazarus had died. Now, Lazarus was his friend. He wasn't just, you know, someone that he knew or someone in the, in the area where he was. It was his friend. And this is a beautiful story about this. So John 11, verse 32 to 34. Mary came to where Jesus was waiting and fell at his feet, saying, Master, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews with her sobbing, a deep anger welled up within him. He said, where did you put him? Master, come and see, they said. Verse 35, Jesus wept. The only, when I grew up, you would say, people say, what was the shortest scripture in the Bible? And you'd all say, Jesus wept. Because you thought you were so cool if you knew that, right? Did you know that this is why he wept? He wept because his friend died. Now think about that. Jesus, the son of God, who can do anything in the whole wide world, he was told that his friend died, and he said, well, where did you put him? And they said, come and see. And he cried. Now get this. He cried in front of the people. He showed what? Vulnerability. Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, showed vulnerability at that moment. He showed emotion. He could have just said, wherever he was, Lazarus, rise. And Lazarus could have been way far away. And he could have just got up and been like, oh, wow, I'm alive. But he took a moment to show the people around him that he was a real person, that he was vulnerable. In verse 36, the Jews said about that, look how deeply he loved him. 
In verse 37, you have everybody else around. Others among them said, Well, if he loved him so much, why didn't he do something to keep him from dying? After all, he opened the eyes of a blind man. So you see the two differences of what people saw. So in your life or in my life, when we have a moment where we're vulnerable, do we put up the walls and pretend that everything's fine because we're Christians, right, and everything's wonderful? Or do we take a moment and go, you know what? (laughs) My life is hard right now. I'm struggling. I'm hurting. Maybe you cry. You let the the walls down for a second and let people see I'm a real person and my God is great. But right now, I'm hurting. Right now, I'm sad. Right now, I feel defeated. If Jesus could be vulnerable in front of, and he knew those people were going to make fun of him and say, oh, son of God, you know, he's crying. What's his problem? He could do it. I guess he could heal the blind. Why couldn't he save his friend? But he took that moment, and I found that unbelievable that Jesus took that moment to be real. Because I think as Christians, and I think just as people, we tend to put the walls up because we don't want to know people. We don't want people to know that we're hurting. I don't know if you guys do that. I went through a big season where the Lord was like, hey, you need to stop putting up those walls. Because it was just easier to just smile and, you know, just pretend everything was okay and not acknowledge what was going on. But then guess what? The people around you don't get to benefit when God comes through for you and they see the transformation Because they just think your life is, oh, so great all the time. That just makes them feel crummier, right? That doesn't help them at all. They're tired of religion. They're tired of people giving them that fakeness. They want to know that we're real people, right? Um, In verse 38, it goes on, 38 through 44. I'm not going to read them all, but it just talks about how Jesus went. And he prayed. Well, actually, I do want to read it. Verse 41. He said to the others, go ahead, take away the stone. They removed the stone. Jesus raised his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know you always do listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I've spoken so that they might see that you sent me. And then after that, he says, Lazarus, come out. And he comes out like a mummy. So the whole point of that last part is the fact that he prayed in front of everybody else. He didn't need to pray for himself and talk to God. Like I got to stir my faith up because I, I think I believe in my father. He knew what his relationship was and who he was and who the father was, but the people around him did not. So even Jesus took a moment to pray out loud. Why? So that everybody else could see the miracle that happened. Thank you, Lord, for listening to me. Thank you. I believe you're real. I know that you're God. So how many times in our life do we just hide our Christian life or do we throw it out there and say, our house almost got foreclosed on a year ago this season. And we could have chose to be like, oh my gosh, we're so, and we were so, so ashamed. Oh my gosh, this is terrible. It was terrible. Our water got turned off one time when I was in the front room. We were going through a time. It was terrible. Here we are. We had a church meeting in our house. I teach preschool out of my house. And life was crummy in that way. We, we were struggling. And we were calling everybody, pray, 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 pray. And our prayer at first was, God, you can't be glorified in this. Because the preschool parents and the church, it just wouldn't glorify you. And God's like, really? I couldn't be glorified and turn that for your good? Like, oh, yeah, 
you totally could. Sorry, God, and we changed our prayer. But in that, it was hard because we had to be vulnerable. We had to allow people to see that we were real, that we struggled just like everybody else. And in that time, the Lord humbled us and showed us that we got to show people that we're real. We are not exempt from sickness. We are not exempt from, you know, house foreclosures or getting in a car accident or all those things. We pray against them and we pray that they don't happen, but they do. We're not exempt. And if we just hide it from them, then when God raises it from the dead and you get to pay off your foreclosure and stay in your house and God gets all the glory because he had the money coming in from every direction at the very last second, we could shout it from the mountaintops. God is faithful. And everybody got to share in the victory of that with us. But do you see what I'm saying about the vulnerability? In order to witness to people around us, we have to be real. If we're fake, then we should just go home. People are tired of fake Christians. They're tired of fake people who pretend they have it all together. I have it together sometimes, and sometimes I have it totally not together. This week I was like, it's Mother's Day, and I'm the crappiest mother ever. I had my moment. I mean, we're real, right? We have a real life. And so in that, what what we want to encourage you today is we're going to take a little test, and we're going to figure out our evangelistic style. In our evangelistic style, our goal is that you find out what your personality is like and begin to evangelize out of that. Don't be someone else just to be ourselves and to evangelize out of that. So uh, as, we're, as we're grabbing these, you have these forms. And I'll speak to the front rows first. Don't read ahead. We're still talking, so just hold on to the documents. Thank you very much. You guys, in our evangelistic styles, we have to be real. Now, there's this religious mindset that says you shouldn't do anything in the flesh, and you shouldn't do anything demonstrative. You shouldn't do anything to draw attention to yourself. And I'm here to tell you that's garbage, because it's impossible for us to be real if all of our efforts are meant trying to not be seen or not be demonstrative. God will be glorified through our actions. But we've got to be real. We've got to be vulnerable. You know, when I was uh, a student at Oral Roberts University, uh, I lived on a wing called Youngblood. And uh, at ORU, they didn't have fraternities or sororities. They had wings. And you lived on wings, and you played sports, and you did social events, and it was great. So we had a softball game. We're playing our rival, and our rival was Granville. And I'm very competitive. I'm not as much competitive now as I was back then. Back then, I was uber competitive. So I had a softball game, and I hadn't had a very good game. And so it's end of the game. We're, we're losing. You know, I feel the weights, you know, you know Casey at, at, you know, bat. And I want to I be the hero, man. I want to I be the champ. And so I'm sitting there, you know, bat, and I'm ready to hopefully knock it out of the park or just, you know, get a triple and show my blazing speed. But instead, I pop up. And it's the end of the game, and I'm like, son of a... And I took my bat, and I just flung it. And I dropped the F-bomb. And I didn't just drop it little. It wasn't like a little F-bomb. I dropped a big F-bomb. And then I didn't stop there, because there's a few other words that started with other letters, other consonants, and I dropped them too. So there I am at this Christian college, and I just made a total butt of myself. 
And so I had guys on my winger like look at me like, are you, are you serious? And so I had some of the older guys come up and be like, not cool, kid. Not cool. And I'm like, oh. so I felt like the world's biggest bum. I did. I felt this big. I was shameful. And every, what I did was totally jacked up. So I go in my room and I start praying and I'm like, Lord, what the heck? And I just, you know, I'm like beating myself up. And I just heard the Lord say, Mark, just humble yourself and just trust me. So I wrote a letter and it said, Dear Granville. And I couldn't stand these guys, by the way. I like them now. Guys from Granville, if you're listening on the podcast, you're awesome. But um, I like them now, but back then I didn't like them so much. So I wrote a letter and said, uh, Men of Granville, uh, today I totally blew it. Totally just was in the flesh. And I, and I embarrassed myself. I embarrassed my wing. Uh, and I embarrassed my God. And that's not who I am. And I just want to say I'm sorry. Today's my actions didn't reflect my heart for the Lord. And I just want to tell you guys I'm sorry. Uh, I've, I've told the Lord I'm sorry, and I've repented. Uh, but I just wanted to just uh, be a stand-up guy and let you know what I did was wrong and uh, ask you guys to forgive me. And I went, and I walked on their wing, and I posted on their wing, and then I, I went, I left. So for the rest of the semester, I had guys from Granville coming up to me going, hey, we've all blown it. But what you did, you know, was honorable. And it showed me your heart. It showed me your integrity. It showed me your heart for the Lord. And we just, you know, I want you to know I respect that. And I thought you were kind of a, thought you were kind of a jerk before. But since this, I think you're a stand-up guy. And, you know, my name is so-and-so or whatever. And started making friendships from it. What's, what's the point of that? Be you. You're going to fail. No one expects you to be perfect. You're going to fail. You're going to blow it. You're going to be in a workplace and everyone knows you're a Christian and you're going, you're going to fail. You might not, you know, fail by throwing the bat and dropping the words I dropped, but you're going to fail. Be real. God will use our failures just as quick as he'll use our successes. And do not despise either, but look to Jesus Christ and trust him. Okay? But be real. You want to walk us through the test? Sure. Okay, so this doesn't take Actually, it's not long. a test. I said test. It's not a test. It's not a test. It's a questionnaire. There is, my man right here was like, oh no, man. I didn't come to church for a test. Because here's why it's not a test. Because there's, there's no pass or fail. It's a questionnaire. Okay, totally. I'm, a couple of you guys really, really panicked, like, what? Okay. It's not a test. Questionnaire. Honey. Okay. I'm going to be quiet. It's a questionnaire. There are 36 questions. And we're going to give you about eight or ten minutes to fill it out. You are going to answer the questions this way. Give it a five if that's totally you. If you read it and say, holy moly, that is me. Five. That's number totally five. you. That's Four. Me. It's pretty much like me. Three. Somewhat like me. Two. A little like me. One. That's not me at all. One. That's not me at all. Is there an echo in here? <laughs> Okay, so that's how you're going to rate. You have 36 questions at the end. You see the boxes. You're just going to fill in your answers for each of those questions and tally them up. Okay? Go ahead and get started. We're going to give you about 8 to 10 minutes. Don't skip ahead. Answer honestly. <laughs> All right. The good news is everybody gets a gold star. Everybody passes. All right. 
accept you. I'm just kidding. Everyone passes. All right. So um, we are going to just quickly go over the different styles very quickly. But I want to see um, who here, their highest score was direct. Raise your hands. And we could have ties. So we have one, two, three, four, five of us direct. Okay. Who here, your highest score was intellectual? Raise your hand. One, two, three. We have three? All right. Who here, their highest score was testimonial? Raise your hands. One, two, three, four, four. All right. Uh, interpersonal, raise your hands. One, two, three, so one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I think eleven. Wow. Uh, in, uh, invitational, raise your hand if your highest score was invitational. Mine was almost there. Okay. Uh, serving, raise your hand if your highest score was serving. One, two, three. Four, five, six, seven. All right, everybody. Did everybody raise? Did everybody raise their hand? All right. So, all right. Anybody still need help with adding? All right. All right. Add a boy. All right. His was arithmetic. All right. So we're just going to quickly go over the different styles. Um, but here's the thing, guys. We've equipped you with this list. We want you to go home and to read over these and there's scriptures associated with it to show the biblical examples of your style of evangelism. And church, this is very important to hear. There are biblical examples of your style of evangelism. Okay? It's not all shout it from the rooftop style. Okay? There are biblical examples. So take this home and later on spend it in time studying and reading and you know we'll touch on these later but we want to go ahead and touch on these right now so we're going to start um we're going to start with the direct style our biblical example is uh an example of peter in acts chapter 2 um the theme verse is second timothy 4 2 um you can read that later actually we'll go ahead and read it now preach the word be prepared in season and out of season correct rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. The traits of the direct style of evangelism are confident, bold, assertive, skips small talk, gets right to the point, has strong opinions and convictions. Okay, the next style is the intellectual style. Uh, biblical examples in Paul in the book of Acts 17. Second uh, Corinthians 10.5 is the verse. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every, every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The traits of these kind of people are analytical, logical, inquisitive, likes to debate, more concerned with what people think than how they feel. The third style is the testimonial style. Our biblical example is the blind man in John chapter 9. The theme verse for this style is 1 John 1, 3a. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. The traits are a clear communicator and a good listener. Vulnerable about your personal life, your ups and your downs. Overwhelmed by the account of how God reached you. And the, other tra the last traits, they see the links between your experience and and that of other people. 
All right, on the back side, the interpersonal style. The biblical examples in Matthew, in about Matthew in Luke 5.29. The theme verse is 1 Corinthians 9.22. I tried to find common ground with everyone so that I might bring them to Christ. I love that. Um, the traits are relational warmth, conversational, they're compassionate, friendship-oriented, and they focus on people and their needs. The invitational style of evangelism. Our biblical example is the woman at the well in John 4. And our theme verse is Luke 14, 23. Then the master told his servants, Go out to the roads and country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. The traits are hospitable, persuasive, enjoys meeting new people, enthusiastic, and spiritually opportunistic. All right, the final style is the, the serving style um, about Tabitha in Acts 9. The theme verse is Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. The traits, they are patient, they are others-centered, they see needs and find joy in meeting them, they show love through action more than words, and attach value to even the menial tasks. So, I know this felt like class today. But our point in this was that every single one of us should be evangelizing, right? When Jesus called, he called every one of us. When you get saved, you are called to go to the ends of the earth. And sometimes that means your house, your neighbor, your job, the lady at the grocery store. Maybe it's not to the ends of the earth. But if all of us evangelize where we are and where we go... How many people will we touch? I may never meet the guy who works with James, but James can meet him. James can minister to him. James can show him the love of Jesus. And I think if we are, our goal in this and our heart in this is that each one of us pray and go, okay, God, this is who you made me. And this is just a questionnaire. It might be off a number or two. It's not a big deal. The idea is to go, okay, God, this is how you made me. I'm crazy, or I'm quiet, or I'm this, or I'm that. And ask God, God, use me in my characteristics, my personality, my being, and who you made me to be, to be able to effectively share Jesus with those around me. Is that a good plan? Amen. So we pray. I want you guys to know, your style, your contribution, the ways that you evangelize, are every bit as important and valid and needed as the ways I do. Standing up here each week, giving the call to salvation, preaching about Jesus. Your style, your the ways that you share are every bit as important. My style or my works are not more important than yours, are not more needed than yours, are not more valuable than yours. You are needed. You see a neighbor that is going through a rough thing and you bake them a plate of cookies and you take it to them or you write them a card and go stick it on their door. That is just as important as that bold proclamation of someone else with a direct style of evangelism. Do you guys understand? You are needed. So take this home and study it and read. And, and if you're high on several, piece it together and go, yep, 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 me. 
Yeah, that's what I... And, and read it and then be comfortable and confident knowing this is who God has made you and these are the ways He wants to use you. Now look for these opportunities. That's why we're giving you this. Look for these opportunities and say, okay, this is me. This is my style. Yay, I have a style. And flow in that style. Amen? Yes, and along with that, when God pricks your heart over the next couple of weeks... You know, bake that neighbor. Let's say the Lord puts it on your heart to bake that neighbor cookies. And you're like, they don't want my cookies. They're never home. Or you know how we come up with all these reasons why not to do what God says. Bake them cookies and take them over. And be prepared for God to use you. Because they might ask, why did you bake me cookies? You know, the Lord just put it on my heart that you might need an extra touch. So I did. We don't have to make it this super spiritual thing. Just do what God tells you to do. Be obedient. Flow in who you are and who God's created you to be. And don't be nervous about it. Don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Go out and share in how he's created you to be. Amen? And keep in mind that example of last week when we had five people come up here and link arms and stand side by side by side by side by side. We're not always going to be that last link. Mm-hmm. We're rarely the last link. We're rarely in that spot where we're used of the Lord to lead them to Jesus. Most of the time we're somewhere in the middle where we're just planting a seed. Do not despise every link in the chain. If you're, if you're that, that front chain where you're the first person to ever tell them about Jesus Christ and about His love, then embrace it. And if they don't give their lives to Christ, don't be down going, what, what didn't work? Because it's not up to you. Mm-hmm. You don't save. Jesus saves. Yes. And you trust God if you're the first link, you're the middle link, and you celebrate those links at the end when you get to pray with someone and, and you see somebody trust their life in Jesus Christ. That's awesome. But remember the parable of the sower. <coughs> he sowed, I mean, just ridiculously, I mean, just abundantly. And he's never rebuked for the mass sowing he did. Some of the seed fell upon thorny ground, some upon the rocky soil, some were snatched up by birds. Most of that seed failed to bring a harvest. But the parable of the sower, the sower is never rebuked for the foolish sowing. We're encouraged to sow frivolously and abundantly and trust God who brings harvest. Amen? Not, Not us who bring harvest, but our faithful Lord. Bless Christ.